0: Hello and welcome to the Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Direction. It's Justin Nielsen here, your host, and it is November 22nd, 2022. We're coming to you a little bit early this week since there is a Thanksgiving holiday. So we're going to get this dropped early. So you have something to do while you're traveling uh, over the holidays. And joining me as always is Arusha Paris. He's a portfolio manager at O'Neill Global Advisors. How you doing, Arusha? I'm, I'm doing pretty well, you know, after... The, that helmet don't in the,
1: the background after you saw don't that helmet it. running past past your team over and over again
0: oh, and you man. saw it
1: live too I mean I'm, I, I did I'm see sure it live was I was there
0: that. I was there with my college roommates it was uh, it was a lot of fun of course it was like old you know, times watching USC beat UCLA right Reminded no me when I was when place. I was at UCLA uh, I think we had an eight- year run of beating USC I so I never you. experienced that heartbreak fake news. Uh, fake news okay well you go ahead and look in the 90s but uh <laughs> we'll we'll go ahead and check that on uh on our most reliable source of information so we'll get back to you on that but um yeah anyway it was it was a fun time uh wish you could have been there and I was yeah. actually willing to do a bet uh, last minute uh Arusha pulled out I was gonna say something like you know loser has to wear the other team's jersey but hey look at me I'm wearing me, blue me, today I, because I'm gonna... no bet was taken <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm gonna wait for a couple more years when when
1: usc just keeps getting all the best athletes in the country and well, then happy to take the bet
0: <laughs> when, when it's like a sure thing okay yes. very good uh 60 odds were not enough for you well okay let's get to the show uh now that the the football talk is over uh we've got so- scott st Clair talk about your athlete uh scott st Clair. he is a Well, he was a senior product market coach forever, but now, since Arusha decided to vacate his post, uh, Scott took over, and he is now the premium products manager. Uh, Welcome back to the show, Scott.
2: Thanks, guys. I was jealous. I love talking football. I wish would be glad to uh let's i know we've said it every time let's have a football podcast well, uh, nobody well, we might listen but it'll football. be fun yeah Arusha's no, i'm not uh... no good at that
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe maybe we'll have to wait and see how the season ends um but hey on the show scott is going to be helping us dissect what's going on with the market and also a learning lesson hey the fact is leaders don't last forever so we're going to talk a little bit about that and what you know some people should take away from the destruction we've seen in some of these former leaders and then scott's also going to share a few of the stocks that are on his radar so let's get right to it maybe uh well do you want to start with the nasdaq or is that you know old news for you scott do you uh want to take a look at another index at this point
2: yeah. Let's pull up a, like VTV, the value VTV, uh, right. ETF.
0: So, yes. So VTV <laughs> and, of course And I only is... say that slightly
2: tongue in cheek, Justin, as I've mentioned that on been oh, Live a all. number of times, this, this is where the money is going. Right. And look at the performance of this ETF in the last, uh, handful of weeks. Uh, amazing. And I think, uh, I think 8%, Oh gosh, now it's only 5% off of, uh, 52 week highs, well, um, mm-hmm. hard to believe in the destruction that this bear market has created. So, uh, it's the old adage, you know, the leadership in one bull market does not lead the next almost always, um, three out of four roughly are going to go by the wayside. You'll get your apples and Googles uh, sometimes that, that are so sound, so strong companies that they will come back in the next cycle, but. The Carvanas, the Twilio's, the uh, upstarts—they're um, not coming back for the next cycle. So there's your three out of four. You if know, ever, so. yeah, it's true. You know, I yeah. was I was being kind with uh, <laughs> with that uh, statement. So yeah, it's it's very noticeable um, strength in this area. And it's hard, though, because as growth guys and, you know, I know we're all trained to look for stocks with big earnings and sales and return on equity. And so it's not not necessarily um, our favorite spot. But if you want to participate, you know, you got to trade the market that you have, not the one you want. Right. And this has been um, a really strong, strong area.
1: Yeah, so so you were you were talking about the the leaders of the the current cycle aren't gonna be the leaders of the next cycle. But then you bring up a, a value ETF, which were probably leaders fifty years ago. So how, how do you how do you balance that? Where now you you kind of just have to take off your growth hat, right? In some ways. Or 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 how do you manage that? Do you start seeing some of these ETFs, these value ETFs and say, Okay, maybe let's not push the the growth angle at this point and focus on this area of the market
2: i tried i haven't handled this very well i i I identified the strength here in vtv Mm -hmm. i just had a hard time Marusha, just pulling the trigger um i did buy it if it was the qqq you know 20 years ago i'd have been loaded up in it so it was it was hard i i i I don't have quite the position in it that i would normally have i don't i'm not really an etf guy prefer to find the leading stocks. I want to own the individual stock, right? Um, and and so, uh, but I just said, you know, this looks like it's going higher, and I had very little exposure a few weeks ago, so it it, it seemed like an area to, you know, kind of ride the wave.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, what about uh, something like the Dow Jones Industrial Average? I mean, this is another one that has certainly been looking very different. Now, granted, this is us, you know, this is only 30 stocks in there. And it's price weighted, so sometimes you can have uh, overrepresentation uh, by just a few few stocks. I mean, not that the other indexes aren't <laughs> susceptible to that as well, as we've seen. Um, but you know, what, what's what's your take on what's happening in the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and is this something that uh, investors should be paying attention to as well?
2: Yeah, I think there's a story being told here on what's what's moving the market, and. Uh... It's kind of caught everybody flat-footed, I, I'm presuming. It's especially caught, caught me flat-footed. I can't remember the last time I've bought, you know, like the Diamond, the DIA, ETF. It's probably been 10 years since I've bought that, Justin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and here comes the Dow, hold my beer, right? It, it's yeah. just like the, it's the best index of the big indexes. It's clearly the best one, followed by the S&P, followed by the NASDAQ. And, and so, yeah, as soon as you start to you know kind of um forget about something that's probably right when it's you know ready to turn around I'm, i can't be the only person who's given up on the dow right i imagine uh there's plenty of mutual fund managers and hedge funds and active traders that probably don't really look at the dow uh not like they used to
1: yeah and so when you see the dow doing this when you see vtv doing this uh, Is this more a kind of a flight to safety or is it kind of a rotation more towards industrials and uh, where those are starting to become more of the, at least the slower growing areas that are the best options in in this environment?
2: Uh, My thesis is that this is a sea change in the market. We've had a massive bull market since 09, sprinkling some corrections along the way. And that bull market was led by tech, consumer discretionary, Amazon, Apple, if you want to consider that a consumer discretionary. And um, I think that game's over. I think the, now they're not going away, of course. They're fantastic companies, but the stocks are waterlogged, uh, they're over owned. You know, at one time, the Swiss National Bank had more than 5% of its balance sheet in Apple stock. Wow. Uh, Warren Buffett has a massive position in Apple. I just don't know who's left to own Apple, you know, and and I joked on the on uh, Ali's, you know, the Barons Live that, you know, the next in line, I guess, would be aliens to come down with plenty of money and buy (laughs) Apple, because (laughs) if you don't already own Apple as a big, I'm thinking big asset manager, big, uh, you know, sovereign wealth fund, if you don't already own it or, or Amazon or Tesla, you know, you what? Why now, you know what I mean? It looks like the growth curve has changed for these. And so I, I think it's a big sea change that the money is coming out of the QQQs. I would not own the QQQ. If you want to own the market, I would own VTV or, or Diamond or Spy. I would not own the QQQ. I, I think it's gonna be um, a laggard uh, for a while. It's gonna, it just, this was a massive bull market for a long time. So in essence, I think it could be it, it'll take a long time for for that money to to gradually come out. It's what we've witnessed this year, I think, mm-hmm. which is why it's been such a lousy year. the money has has gone out of the Microsofts, the Apples, the the Googles, the the Meta, Facebooks of the world, and that money needs to find a home. Um, and maybe it could find a home in bonds. You know, you could get. You could get four percent i think on a 10 year now or you know something close but if it has to be in equities you know what's where's it gone so you've had uh, a little bit go into energy and you know maybe a a percentage of that is going into value as well although you know i i just i don't know what you what is what it is a value stock right i don't know exactly how you define that but that's why I like that ETF. I'll let that ETF kind of, you know, yeah. give me a proxy for where the money uh, is probably going.
0: Well, let's maybe talk a little bit about this kind of sector rotation that we've seen. But first, let's let's kind of define some terms here because you talk about there being a sea change. Um, is is it really a sea change or is this more of a tide thing where the tide has come out on certain stocks, but it will roll back in? You know, I mean, we We see this happen sometimes where, you know, a bear market will last a certain amount of time um, and then maybe it's not the same stocks, but it's a new batch of stocks in growth or in tech or in retail, uh, kind of the new crop of leaders that are doing something different, uh, something innovative. So do you think that this is um, a sea change in terms of um, what kind of permanence, I guess? Uh, Is this something that lasts a year or two? And then it's back to growth, but maybe different growth, or is this something that, hey, maybe this is something a little bit more prolonged?
2: I think the latter. I'm I mean, now look, Justin, I'm a trader, and you know, and and I changed my mind f- fairly quickly, and so I'm always willing to to change my mind. But I like to have a narrative, like a thesis, on what's going on, and 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 it's something I've tried to get better at. For year, for the last few years, because I really miss like like uh, the you know the EV narrative or the solar narrative, and I just didn't have the imagination on how far some of those stocks could go. Um, and I think it's that you know it's that's kind of what I'm thinking here. I, I think it's a big change, like a long-term change uh the percentage of the I think is last i saw was 25 percent information technology now is is do they consider amazon information technology probably and you know is that correct um apple you know it's it's all it's all how they they group all these things but when you consider all those companies being so large a percentage of the s p and energy being so little of the s p and that it doesn't mean it's timely it doesn't have to end today or yesterday because it's this has been an issue for for years it's not like we just woke up one day and it went to 25 percent. but if you study history we're we're at the extremes and so the it Based on history, I think that's going to change. I don't think energy is going to become 25% of the S&P. They just don't have the earnings power that some of these companies had. There's a reason that they became so large, Google, Amazon, Apple. There's a reason that they they did what they did. You know? They're such great companies, huge earnings power, great uh, margins, et cetera. But for energy to go from three to just the median, historically, maybe, you know, 10 or 12, that's a triple, you know, because I think it's already gone from three to, say, five now. So, you know, at one point, though, if you before this year started, I believe it was around three. So if it went from three to 12, that'd be a quadruple. Now we're we're staying at we're staring at now, I think it's around five or something. Um, So a triple. or or two and a half fold, but that's not going to happen overnight. But I think that the money is gradually, slowly, you know, it's a poker game. They're trying to move their chips into a different pot very slowly without giving away their hand. Um, And I think that's what's going on and what has been going on this year.
1: Yeah. I I wonder if all of that has to do with, uh, or part of it, you know, is, you know, they're trying to bring, more of the supply chain back right and so that's probably leading towards more infrastructure investments and maybe more towards energy independence right and and all these kind of things maybe the market's kind of looking out ahead and seeing these things and that's where kind of the the money's shifting so so from that kind of narrative and uh, kind of looking out for the next five ten years I, i think that would kind of make sense I think so too.
2: I, I, now I love the macro, Arusha. I love to read about it, and it's cool. I watch the YouTube videos of these smart macro investors, and I listen right, to, right. you know, i fifty podcasts. Right. And but I never trade the macro, and there's a reason that I. Well, I don't want to say I never. Now I never do that because I've gotten run over tr- in the in my 25 year history trying yeah. to trade the macro. And if you try to trade the macro and get it wrong, you can really get hurt. That's <clears> my, that's why I've known of some people that, you know, the, the, the uh, a friend of mine had a friend that, you know, he was right on the macro about like this, the fed printing money and doing all of this and all that. And his trade was gold and he loaded up in miners. Yeah. And he loaded up and they went down and he bought more, and they went down. He bought more, and he and it just was a, just like devastating for his him and his family. It was a really sad story, unfortunately. And he was so, and he he was sort of right, right? The Fed did yeah. what he thought, yeah. But the but the market yeah, yeah. didn't react the way that that. And so I to me the it's the price you get paid on price. The the smartest biggest uh, fund managers in the world they vote and um, they don't call me up and say we like xyz here unfortunately but they leave you know the footprints like bill would talk about right elephants in the bathtub and so if you learn to interpret that price action whether it's energy or vtv or or the lack thereof of that price action in the nasdaq this year the nasdaq has really been a laggard there's been many days this year where the market was up And the nasdaq was up less than the market and or even down you know Mm -hmm. you just get these clues you have to you have to if you have to believe what you see sometimes you know and and build that together
0: yeah i mean that's always been my problem with the macro is um if you spend too much time on it you can easily convince yourself that you must be right on a certain thing happening but the timing just just the timing being off a little bit because you got to think macro. Uh, it's it's not it's not an exact thing, right? So if you're a year off, two years off, then yeah, you know what happens in the meantime if you've loaded right. up, if you don't have risk management, you know, principles in place. I mean, I always think of you know Alan Greenspan's speech. Irrational exuberance, when that phrase was used, I think yeah. it was 96, 97. It know? was
2: 96, yep. late 96. Yeah, I've so, studied that. I mean, that. he was right,
0: you know, <laughs> there, there was an irrational exuberance, yeah. but it didn't stop the market from going up another uh, ton in the next few years, you know? Nope. Uh, so the, that's the timing, a great. I guess that's where it comes down to charts, right?
2: That's a great example. Yeah, if, you, if, you're, if you're younger than us or me, I'm the oldest here, but mm-hmm. if you're on this podcast and we'll you. you're- yeah. <laughs> Justin always reminds me. And you uh, you want to study history and, you, you know, about that's a great example that, you know, go on the Internet and search Greenspan's irrational exuberant speech. Get the date. They, I think it was December 96. Mark it on a monthly chart of the NASDAQ and tell me how well that worked. You know, right. in the end, <laughs> it worked. Yeah. But boy, if you had gone short uh, there, you know, from an irrational exuberance standpoint, you, you never would have survived it. You
1: well, yeah, the survived. market said essentially, hold my beer. Hold my
2: beer. <laughs> <laughs> you think you think this is irrational. <laughs> right? Hold my beer. Yeah. I'll show, show you, you irrational. <laughs> Who invented hold my beer? I love that saying. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, speaking of irrational exuberance, we're going to talk about when, uh, when some of the leaders, you know, have such great theses behind them. Uh, but how to know when it's time to leave them. So when we come back, we'll talk about a learning lesson from Scott St. Clair. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. The Direction Hydrogen ETF offers exposure to the top 30 pure-play hydrogen economy companies by largest market capitalization, leading the way towards net-zero emissions by providing more accessible, efficient, sustainable solutions across five related subthemes. With clean hydrogen-based energy expected to grow five times in the next 30 years, companies building hydrogen related businesses to generate power heating transportation and more will likely thrive and welcome back to the investing with ibd podcast sponsored by direction it's justin nielsen here along with my weekly guest arusha piris portfolio manager at o'neill global advisors and our guest this week scott st Clair, frequent panelist on ibd live and the premium products manager of MarketSmith and a lot of other products for Investors Business Daily. So let's get into this a little bit about what is going on with some of these former leaders. I, I mean, you mentioned a few. Uh, you can, I mean, there's a grab bag of stocks that are down 80% uh, at this point. So how how is it how is an investor supposed to know when the party is over? You know, when you've got these phenomenal stocks and you know, they 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 keep on coming back. You know, they'll they'll have these corrections, these bases, but they keep on coming back. How is an investor to know when the party is truly over on these leaders?
2: You can't know. I don't think that's the problem. And the uh, what you mentioned is is so true is that they come back, right? So you think it should be sold if you sell it, they come back, make a new high, and you know they constantly train you that. You know, you don't want to sell um, until you do. So <laughs> I was telling Arusha, we were you know, talking yesterday and I was telling him, I think there's been maybe four to six times in my career, 25 years, where having sell rules and I'm referring to individual stocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to buy mutual funds or, e- or broadly based diversified ETFs and buy those uh, till the cows come home. I, that's fine. That's a sound strategy. That's what I do in my 401k uh, part of it uh, is just, you know, rain or shine. I just buy and buy. But for individual stocks, I believe you have to have uh, a sell strategy. So uh, four to six times in my career, it's staved my bacon, you know, 2000, 2007 slash eight. Now, you know, 2021 ish. Uh, And every all the other times in between, it's hurt me, you know, to be honest with you, because I'll sell an NVIDIA or I'll sell a Tesla or I'll sell, you name a hundred of them and, you know, and that they go higher. And that's kind of what happens because, you know, you're in a bull market and the bull markets tend to last a lot longer than bear markets. But the math is cruel as we are learning uh, to the downside um it just it's doesn't seem fair that you you know it's, you make 100 percent on the way up is the same as 50 percent on the way down uh so you have to have sell rules i firmly believe and and it's been ingrained and i learned the you know the, the about selling from all the years between uh the, the o'neill seminars and reading bill's book and you know just from making mistakes too uh and the problem with selling is it's it's difficult. It's not easy. Scott O'Neill, uh, who's um, William uh, Bill o'neill's son and portfolio manager forever at William O'Neill Company, he used to always say that selling is three times harder than buying. and and then he would say, and maybe it's even more than three times. <laughs> so it it is not easy. Um, but you have to develop some, you should have some kind of plan, some kind of plan. Uh, whether it's somewhere off the highs that you're going to do some selling, or somewhere on the way up, if you have a really good stock, you're going to do some selling. And I really believe in in like taking a, a bite of the apple, so to speak. You don't have to eat the whole apple, but if you have a really good stock, you have a thousand shares of X Y Z. Um, you know, you sell a hundred up twenty percent. You sell another hundred up thirty five percent you sell another 100 up 60% and we're all so greedy, right? We just, all we can think about is those 300 shares that we left behind. I would say concentrate on the 700 that you still have. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, that would be you. you be the best strategy. And, and then it won't feel so, um, you know, all or none type decisions, especially in selling can, they probably put tremendous pressure on people is my feeling and so they, you get you frozen. If you, 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 yeah, I've got to sell all of it. I love Tesla. I love Apple. I love Google. I'll never sell Cisco. That was one that I used to hear as a broker in the late nineties and, um, those same worse, people buy on the dip. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole nother podcast, right? <laughs> okay. I, I think that's probably worse than not, than no sell strategy. At least if it's a no sell strategy, uh, you're not adding to more you know creating more of a problem each time the stock goes lower uh which you know for some of these people the favorite names out there uh the i think they would they've there's probably some tickers out there that people were shocked um how far down they've they've gone
1: mm-hmm. yeah and, and i it's got i think that you know a big part of this is that emotional attachment right yeah P- people uh they don't want to be wrong they and and once something they're once they're right you know they don't want to give up on that right it, it, it there's this emotional bond that i mean i went through that too you know it it became really hard to sell some of these stocks early on but i think once you kind of get the selling down and you get over the past that kind of emotional bonding with these stocks and realize that they're just vehicles uh, it becomes a lot easier. So even if you are wrong, even if you do sell something on the way up or sell something when it's hitting your stop loss and, you're, and it immediately turns around and goes up without you, uh, you're you're much more willing to just get back into it again because you don't have that kind of you're, – you're not beating yourself up. You're not letting your ego uh, get the best of you.
2: Yeah. In the next segment, I'll talk about a stock that I, I got stopped out of and bought back the same day within hours because hmm. – it hit my stop. All right. I followed my rule. I got out and then it did something very unusual, uh, unusual, um, very strong. It just like total change of character. And I said, I think I need to buy that back. Mm-hmm. It turns out the sell was a was um, was a mistake. Well, I don't want to say that not the really, sell was yeah. not a mistake. I it did it did the right thing. But that it, that happened and I went back in. That's rare. It, I don't usually do that. But I don't have any problem going back to a name that I've sold if it if it sets up. But, you know, the stocks don't know that you own them. They're going to do what they do without you, whether you own them or not. Uh, They're going where they're going. Um, And you can't stop that from happening, whether it's going up or going down. You can you know, you can talk to your blue in the face. You can tweet all day about X, Y, Z being a value stock because it's down 50 percent. It, it's not going to influence the stock. There's just massive uh, factors, forces that are taking that stock where it's going to go with or without you. Mm-hmm. So you might as well learn to uh, go with it.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know, that whole concept of buying something back, you know, it, it's something that I think a lot of people miss miss out on, like that, that mentality. And I saw Bill do that, I can't tell you how many times, with Apple, you know, mm-hmm. where he definitively said, yeah, I think this is done. You know, he said, "Look at the topping signals. Look at this." You know, and he had all of these reasons why he thought getting out of Apple was a good idea. Um, you know, he started buying that in 2004 at a, after a cup with handle that it came out of that was really nice looking. Um, but then I remember a number of times where he was like, "Oh yeah, this is done." But then it formed another pattern, and he got back in. Sometimes it was at a lower price. Than his ultimate sells uh, and exits. Sometimes it was it was at a higher price, um, and you know each time, it it didn't really matter that he had sold it before, and that you know whether it was right or wrong, it was right at the time, and now he was adjusting to the new reality. And if something changed in the chart, he adjusted with it, and it was just that simple. If if Apple had continued going lower, he would have pointed to it and said, "See." I told you it was <laughs> i told you it was uh time to sell right there the fact yeah. that it came back he at least could point to the fact that he wasn't so stubborn to ignore the the buy signal and he said look i bought it right here and i participated in this big move so what's the problem
2: yeah if you if you sold a if you sold abc and then um and then it changed but I changed the ticker. You couldn't see what the name of the company was. We just blacked it out in the chart. and I just gave you this chart and you said, oh, I'd buy that. And then I take the tape off and say, it's ABC. You just sold that three days ago, $5 lower. Mm -hmm. Um, For most people out there, that would influence their decision. They would second guess their decision to buy it, right? Without, whereas for, you know, and we, you know I think about it a little bit, it's, you know it's not ideal, but um, I think it's going higher. I want to participate. I'm just going to go ahead and buy a pack. And, yeah, yeah. you know, in the whole, I'm sorry, the whole tax thing and all that, you know, some people have that issue, uh, but you know, I, I don't really worry about that, you know, and there's plenty of, and, you know, me and uh, Justin's been a big proponent of it, but I have screamed from the rooftops, get it, get a non-taxable account R- Roth IRA, uh, you know my kids have coverdale accounts i love the non-taxable accounts they're awesome they're amazing but i i have a taxable account and and i do the same in the taxable account uh, and and at the end of the year i should be lucky to have to pay taxes that means i did well enough to uh, that i made money i've had years where i didn't have to pay taxes i like the years where i have to pay better <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's, it's amazing like and, you know, really over these last what since 2009, uh, uh, how long this super kind of bull market, even though you had a number of kind of corrections within it, yeah, you know, how well some of these stocks did and nine out of 10 times you got away with out having any sell rules right Damn. where these stocks would just keep coming back and so maybe maybe we should go i mean we will be looked at apple here and apple's done in, insanely well and there were plenty of times where you might have sold out of it and, and things like that and you buy it back but let's maybe go over kind of the poster child of uh 2020 uh tesla right because tesla we've all been thinking tesla for a while Is like uh, may, maybe it needs to come in a lot of these other larger cap stocks were already breaking down besides Apple all the other big ones were breaking down but Tesla was the other one that was just kind of hanging in there wasn't breaking and and everyone's kind of wondering you know wh- how how long can that last uh, uh so let's talk a little bit about that because that if you want to talk about emotional attachments it's really Bitcoin and Tesla are the ones that are the the things that a lot of investors these days, uh, are, uh, retail investors, are, are really emotionally attached to it.
2: I, I agree. I, I I don't think there's, and it's a little bit of recency bias, but I don't think there's ever been a, a more um, uh, controversial, for lack of a better term, stock than Tesla. The, the extremes, you know, they've got the Tesla Q community where they, there's people that literally think it's it's a zero, that it can go to zero. And then you have the other extremes where you know they've got um, rockets and robots and flying cars, and it's you know it's worth um, Apple and Saudi Aram Saudi Aramco is that the right name of the company um, right. combined, um, and the truth is somewhere in the middle. It's almost all debates, right? Uh, so it's been it's been a it's a great it's one of the best funnest stock stories out there sometimes it's uh, a difficult stock to trade and um and i am short the stock of full disclosure and have been for a lot of this year because it's had so many sell signals that i just couldn't help myself i just felt like i wasn't doing my account justice if i didn't (laughs) you know i observing all these sell signals everything about tesla was telling me it was a short and I've tried shorting it before, and I've been long Tesla before as well. I, I'm indifferent to either side. There's no bull or bear side. There's just a right side. I don't wanna be on the right side. And um, I think the right side, and, and it has been so far is, is you know shorting. But from a selling standpoint, if you owned a Tesla, the problem with sell signals in Bill's book, How to Make Money in Stocks, he's got like 16 sell signals. So it's really hard to, to pinpoint, you know, there's no, there's no like, oh, that tells you it needs to be sold. And my experience is almost every sell signal, um, the first one is not any good right. for a, a big stock. The second one, probably not. The third one is okay. The fourth one. And so you you keep getting rewarded for ignoring sell signals right. if you're totally. long the stock, because eventually you know, go down for a little bit on a sell signal, but then it comes back.
1: Well, and... I mean, so we'll just interrupt you there very quickly. I mean, there were plenty of sell signals in 2017, 2018. Yeah. And, you know, the stock did go down, what, probably 40, 50% off the highs at that time. And then once 2020 and really 2019 got going, it, all, all those mistakes were forgiven.
2: Yeah, and that's why people now sit here and say, "Well, th- it's going to come back mm-hmm. because it did previously." And I will tell you that maybe,
1: maybe <laughs> yeah, it, comes- it might it might <laughs> actually come back. Yeah. We don't it know. Well, right I'm now, not gonna weird, right? Yeah. Right. I'm not going to say it can't.
2: And I'm not going to put my. Uh, I promise you, if Tesla makes an all-time high, I'm not going to be shorted. I'll be out long before that. So, um, but history says there's a really good chance it doesn't come back, or it goes sideways for a long, long time in, in kind of a uh, dead money period like a Cisco did or an Intel or uh, a Microsoft, mm-hmm. although Microsoft, you know, went on to make new highs. It took, you know, Microsoft did nothing for 18 years. Right. So these are then and, and, and these are the best companies in the world, you know, and I, I know there's Juniper, for example. How many people know about Juniper JNPR? Well, when I first, I remember that was an amazing stock. Fiber optics, going to the moon. It was yeah. a meme stock before meme stocks existed. <laughs> and it has not seen anywhere near those 2,000 highs. And, you know, in all honesty, probably never will. And you're staring at 22 years of being down. So uh, I could give you a million examples like this. You know, the, the widow and orphan stock, at and um, Oh, yeah. You know, that... That was a stock that, you know, you just put, well, you know, that's how it got the name, widows and orphans, because it was the safest stock in the world. You collected the dividend and it went up or down, you know, five or six percent a year and um, hasn't seen highs in forever. So history says that very, very few of them, you know, like we were talking about that, that study that the Arizona State professor did and in roughly six percent of, the stocks that existed have, have generated all the market returns. Uh, 58%, I believe is the right number. Uh, 58% of the stocks, uh, underperformed T-bills over their life cycle. Yeah. So the, and what that tells you for them is be diversified. You know, if you're diversified, you, and you, you'll catch an Amazon, you'll catch a Google cause you own. 300 stocks or 500 stocks so you're always gonna catch one of those and then the good thing with stocks that go up they become a greater percentage of your portfolio and the ones that go down every every time they go down they make less and less of a dent in your portfolio and that's that's uh, the good thing about it but to me what that study tells me is if you want to be in individual stocks and I do and most of us do because if you get it right the upside is tremendous but you have to have a sell rule because you have to know that more than half of them over their life cycle are, are going to underperform T-bills. So have a sell rule or a couple of sell rules. And, um, and it's hard. I'll, I'll tell you, it's not easy and you're going to make some mistakes, but, uh, it's, it's worth it when you avoid a Twilio or, or an upstart or, um, you know, uh, Carvana, or uh, you know, there's so many of them that were so great. You know, uh, just just last few years, you know, 18 months ago, these are just incredible stocks that that seemed like they were on their way to uh, big things, and they fizzled, and um, and probably are not coming back. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and to your point, you know, it's not just these high flyers. Um, you know, sometimes it's those widow and orphan stocks right you know that you know so many people got into the habit of oh you just own this no matter what you know it's been around forever these are safe i think 2008 you know the great financial crisis kind of dispelled that myth to a lot of people when we just saw some of these institutions just go belly up and you know they're gone right uh and and they were considered kind of on the safer side uh you know to the same end i think it's worth remembering that you know, while indexes, you know, you look at the history of the market and you see how the indexes have performed so great over time, uh, you know, decade after decade, even the indexes don't buy and hold forever. You know, there's not a single stock in the Dow Jones Industrial Average that was there at the beginning in the 1890s. Uh, General Electric, I think, was the last one of the original, you know, and that was uh, that was dropped, you know, uh, a couple decades ago. So uh, they're constantly, you know, changing their mix up too.
2: they the index is no one talks about it very much but the index is what what do they do they add to their winners and they cut their losers right because the most of them are are weighted so You're as right. these stocks go up they become a better bigger portion of, of the index and the stocks come down they become uh less of them and or they remove them i know they don't mm-hmm. do that that often but you know it, secretly i think they've all read bill's books that's hilarious (laughs) it's really really funny
1: yeah Yeah. they
2: just don't they just don't say it out loud right Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) i mean i think that's an excellent example Scott. (laughs) if you want to see the strategy in, in in place you know take a look at the s p or the nasdaq right because they are pretty consistently adding to the winners and and getting rid of their losers you know over time
2: yeah it's a long window of that but that's what's happening you know that's how apple becomes you know whatever eight percent of the s p or whatever the number is
0: right okay when we come back we're going to talk a little bit more about some individual stocks that are on scott's radar stay tuned we'll be right back the Direction Hydrogen ETF offers exposure to the top 30 pure-play hydrogen economy companies by largest market capitalization, leading the way towards net-zero emissions by providing more accessible, efficient, sustainable solutions across five hydrogen-related sub-themes. With clean hydrogen-based energy expected to grow five times in the next 30 years, companies building hydrogen-related businesses to generate power, heating, transportation, and more will likely thrive. Welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Direction. It's Justin Nielsen here, along with Arusha Pires, O'Neill Global Advisors Portfolio Manager, and Scott St. Clair, frequent IBD Live panelist and the Premium Products Manager for Investors Business Daily and Marketsmith. So let's get into some stocks, Scott, that are on your radar. Um, where do you want to start? I mean, energy, You you kind of started with that at the Beginning of the show, when we were talking about the markets, do you got some energy names for us that are still on your radar?
2: Yeah, um, I'm mostly of my long ideas are energy related. So uh, Schlumberger would be the first one that we can go over. I definitely um, own that one. SLB is the ticker.
0: Mm-hmm. And, that's and they recently the changed one... their name to SLB to make it easier for. Oh, everyone. did they? Yeah. Versus... So you don't have to worry about how to pronounce it. Do you do really? the French? Do you do the German? What is it's it?
2: Schlumberger yeah. is it Schlumberger?
0: <laughs> right. Schlumberger. So their oh, name is SLB. It, 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 yeah. So now, now it's SLB. Uh,
2: All right. Well, good for yeah. them. I'm glad they did that for us. So maybe, that,
0: maybe that's why the Scott the Scott starts
1: going up. <laughs>
2: so this is the one that uh triggered my stop yesterday see that that okay. pink uh, bar so it um got me out and then by the end of the day although it still closed unchanged i'm sorry it still closed down you can see the the bar is that it closed you know basically at day highs yeah uh so um You know, I'm out when it broke 50, and I'm back in at like uh, 51 and change or something Mm -hmm. like that because uh, it 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 hit my stop, and you know, I I just moved on, and and then all of a sudden, I think you know, there's some action in the oil market. And honestly, at that moment, Justin, I didn't know what had happened. I just knew that you know, the the stock uh, shook me out, and shakeouts are good unless you're in them right isn't that what bill would say (laughs) so i might not have been the only one that got shaken out of that stock and my experience is you know not everyone will go back to it so you know you've got some people trapped on the outside looking in and today was a, a pretty good day for that but it's in the right area it's big it's liquid you've got accelerating earnings and sales for the last three quarters um and and although it doesn't have any of the mutual fund ownership um, that we prefer, you know, I, I would like to see like Fidelity Contra in there or something like that. Uh, there are a handful of Fidelity funds that do have a position. There is an Alger um, fund that has a position, and I, I think you know my thesis is, is that they're trying to get out of the apples and the Googles and the Facebooks of the world. And um, somebody is pushing these stocks, right? It went from 40 to 50 and um, consolidated this move so far. Uh, and I think there's more funds that can take a position for the next leg up. So mm-hmm.
1: Scott, what, so what got this on your radar? Uh, like what, with the price action, how, how did this come through your screens and what made you like, you know, kind of narrow it down and say, well, you know, I really should focus on getting into a Schlumberger.
2: So if you pull up a weekly chart, you'll see on like um, the week of, of uh, uh, it's 10, is that 1014? Uh, and you've got that kind of where it's building that uh, the right side of its
1: base. Yeah.
2: Right before the handle. So yep. its relative strength line is making a new high right as the stock is about to break out and is breaking out. And I didn't own it at that time because I owned another stock that, uh, I owned Tidewater, okay. which was same, same group, right? Oil and gas field services. And I, I was like, wow, do I want to own two stocks in the oil and gas field services and thought, no, I'll just pass on SLB. I'll just stay with, with Tidewater. And, um, but now it, Goes right on my screen, you know, of, of the stocks I like to watch because it's in the right group, it's in the right sector. If that's what you you want to focus on, the large, larger energy sector. And you know, I, I'm a big proponent of relative strength. If you, mm-hmm. I think if you're going to buy individual stocks, you, you buy stocks that are stronger than the market. Otherwise, just buy the market for the diversification. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I want to buy stocks that if the market goes up 10. percent they should go up 15, 20, 25% in that, you know, let's say the market goes up 10% in like a three-month leg up. Uh, I'm looking for stocks that are going to go up, you know, one and a half to three and a half times what the market did.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, I guess one of the things that kind of uh, seemed a little odd to me about the energy plays is they had uh, these nice bases. I mean, if you just look at SLB here, um, you know, kind of, you know, orderly base, making some progress, another orderly base, making some progress. And then all of a sudden you had this deep base that kind of knocks out a lot of the, the previous support. Um, and, and SLB wasn't alone. It seemed like there were a lot of 40% depth bases that happen in this in, in this area. Um, that extra volatility, is that, is that something that com- comes into your equation as, oh, is this, is this gonna be maybe too volatile to handle?
2: So commodity stocks are, they're difficult for sure. i you know, gold stocks, uh, uranium stocks, fertilizer stocks, oil stocks, they're difficult, but you know, Justin, they're all difficult. Cloud service mm-hmm. stocks, software stocks are hard. Uh, uh, consumer stocks are stocks. hard.
0: <laughs> they are,
2: they're hard. So, and you've got that added component of the price of oil, right? And, and oil is corrected, I think it topped around 125. Mm-hmm. And it went down to say I don't know the low is the high 70s I think maybe it's 80 now, but mm-hmm. you know it's like a 36% correction if I did my math right. Yeah, I mean you so, can look at USO
0: just yeah. To, uh, you know, something the problem with USO, size. right,
2: isn't that like a it's looking at the forward contract, but right. it's good enough, right? It's good so enough. So it,
0: it gives you an idea. Right. Yeah,
2: it's it corrected 32%, so just a little bit less, but yeah, so the underlying commodity corrected 32%. Imagine um what would Apple do if the S&P corrected 32 percent it'd probably Mm -hmm. go down 25 to 40 percent you know something like that so I think that's kind of what happened with these stocks uh some of them didn't come back and Mm -hmm. so it's it's actually very good because now it's helping you because for a while there there were almost too many energy stocks too many oil stocks to buy and I just, it's like, I don't know why Devin, why uh, Tidewater, why Antero Resources. It's just like my head was spinning on which ones to own. And I found myself kind of jumping around. Like if they were strong, I'd go buy it. If they were if they were weak, I'd say, oh, maybe it's not a good one. I'd sell it. And it was only weak for a day or two. And then it'd come back. So, I, I, yeah, I kind of I, I, I messed up a good portion of the gains from doing that. So I'm kind of glad this happened. I'm looking for the, the ones that made new highs quickly. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you want to pull up Tidewater. You can see it's it still looks fine. It still looks good. I actually sold it on the way up because that's normally what I what I do. But um, it's not as close to new highs as, as SLB, which is why I've kind of made the switch. Now, Tidewater is a much smaller company uh, than SLB. So in the end, if it, if they, if I, I sometimes think if tidewater works, SLB is going to work. And, and if it doesn't work, I, you know, if I get stopped in SLB, it's not like tidewater is just going to hold up. The odds are super high. Uh, the correlation on these is probably 92 or something. So I'd rather, I, I think I like the bigger, more liquid, uh, SLB. And that's a name that I could see fast forward six months from now, nine months from now, if this theme is going to play out, um then the contras of the world i could see them uh having positions in in something like slp
0: right um so let's go ahead and talk about another energy stock uh apa corp uh the ticker symbol here is apa so uh from from the field services to international explorers and producers and it seems like the enps the explorers and producers has been one of the areas of um the the super strength so what is it about this one uh that that attracted you uh another very deep base uh 42 depth yeah most recently um but what was it that made you think hey this is um maybe maybe worth a shot
2: so i just bought this one yesterday and so i've only been in it for you know one one full trading day i did not see that that cup of handle the 4370 pivot unfortunately it looks, and I usually like to turn the pattern wreck off, and I like to look at the pattern myself. To me, like if if I go back in time to when I used to get the books, and, you know, this showed up, uh, this is a cup of handle with a 50-spot-58 50 pivot, mm-hmm. right? I think that's, you know, that that's a fairly uh, easy to say. So I, I like this setup. It looks really good. Very big and liquid. Another, you know, right in the, the realm of the SLB and, in, you know, different but similar right there as far as the sector so i think that this is the reason i mentioned i want to bring this one up is i think if you don't have any exposure you're looking to add more exposure uh this one's more more timely and more traditional as far as the buy points slb was kind of a um a non traditional buy point, right? I, that was the old story that Bill told in his book. You know, I walked into the brokerage firm and saw control data mm-hmm. was up three on a bad tape. I love that story because I mm-hmm. do that a lot on bad tape days, and the tape yeah. is just the markets acting poor. I, I just love to look for, okay, show me the stocks that, that are not down or even up. Um, I love those days. They really helped to shake the tree. And so that's kind of how I bought SLB in, in that, in that uh, way. Um, mm-hmm. but Apache, uh, looks more timely and, and, uh, you know, I think there's a pivot all the way to 50 spot five, eight.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, now on, and I just, was just going to mention, cause it reminded me of how something you've shared on IBD live is that you will sometimes put in a range uh, uh, where where it's at in its trading range. Um, so again, a lot of these that you're looking at, they were at the top of their trading ranges for the day, even though they were down, but kind of looking at those, hey, what's what's looking strong? What's holding up? Uh, what's kind of making progress throughout the trading day as opposed to sinking as much as the indexes were?
2: Yeah, I, it's uh, it's a feature and a bug that I have, Justin, because... <laughs> for the long you know my the job at IBD was the first real job that I ever had I was a stockbroker but I was more interested in trading my own account I just wanted to trade and, and I loved trading and still do so um I think I've tried to get away from that trading you know maniacally style in the last you know 10 12 years as I've been with the company cuz one you, you know you don't have the time to focus but that's something I used to look for all the time, Justin, is you see how it closed right on the highs. And if the market hadn't closed, I think the stock would still be going higher. And my experience is, especially in bull markets now, I don't know if we're in a bull market, maybe we're in an energy bull market, but you know, my experience was always the very next day, at least on the open it might not hold those games but at least on the open it would open higher um and you'd have like a free look um if you wanted to stay with it or you could get heavy was what was what i would do in my younger more aggressive days and then i would peel some off on the strong open and um and uh you know leave leave a little bit like slb slb is a ex- perfect example of what i would you know I, even though it was down yesterday it closed basically at or near right. the highs you know i would hit that hard and then peel some off it opened up like a dollar or something and then i would just peel some off and let the rest ride so i do look for for that um you know that kind of strength i i really like to see them really close uh, in the upper you know, when I say upper range, I mean really upper range, ninety right. percentile or more. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Now you've talked a lot about price. What about volume? And especially, you know, look, we've we're in a holiday week here. Uh we've got the we've got the Christmas holidays that'll be coming up soon. Volume has been really contracting, and so it's been tough to find some of these stocks showing strong price action with volume behind it. Is that a concern for you, or is it just I'm gonna look at the price and you know excuse the volume away because of the holiday season
2: um it'd probably be a whole nother podcast if we got <laughs> into volume i i don't i don't know what it is about volume justin but i feel like i've kind of gravitated away from it in in the last handful of years slowly but surely it's lost its relevance with with my decision making I, i've just put more and more weight in the price I, I And, and I, I think the why, I don't know the why, to be honest, but I think it's that there's so many computers and robots and algorithms mm-hmm. that trade against each other all day long, trying to make a penny or two pennies, that I, I just don't feel like the volume has been the best tell um, uh, mm-hmm. that it used to be. Um but I'm open to be proven wrong. And I, and I do look at it, but like the fact that Apache didn't, you know, the volume print today wasn't big, whether it's the, you know, two days before Thanksgiving or it's March 14th, it wouldn't matter to me the way, Mm -hmm. you know, the bar, the price bar would give me, um, uh, more. Um, but on weekly charts, I feel like the weekly volume is, um, is is picks out some of that noise mm-hmm. so and when i'm doing my work i do kind of look a little bit more at the weekly volume and how the stock closed for the whole week because now you've kind of filtered out hopefully a lot of those that noise the 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 the, the computers trading for pennies against each other but on the daily chart i don't know i, I you know this is the you mentioned it and so i looked that's the first <laughs> <laughs> that's the first i've even even noticed right. that it wasn't much of a volume footprint today.
0: Okay, well, let's go ahead and shift over uh, away from energy and over to tech and talk about uh, ACLS.
2: Yeah, so I think you want to buy stocks of companies that make stuff, you know, stuff that you can drop on your foot, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I guess a semiconductor is something you could drop on your foot. It might not hurt, but you could drop it on your foot. and You might
1: have difficulty it, finding it afterwards. Yeah, it's so small nowadays, right? Uh. And, and, or this might be really big equipment that you may break your foot. But Oh, there you go. Like oh, that's true. SML. Yeah, it's yeah. Equipment. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah. So uh, this one is just showing amazing relative strength. Uh, you can see like on a weekly, if you have the uh, pattern rick on, that blue dot, and it's had this blue dot for, I think this is two and a half weeks or so. Now, it is building this this very, it's a pretty deep cup, right? 40% with 11% handle. And you can see the previous cup didn't work. It broke out and failed pretty quickly. The cup before that didn't work as well. It broke out and failed pretty quickly. So I, I think this one might be third time's the charm. Uh, and it could work because... A lot of people, and even myself, I, I just was like, gosh, am I going to buy this breakout? It's, it, the last two didn't work. Mm-hmm. Now, I always, almost always, manufacture some type of uh, buy point. And if you look at the daily, I'm sorry to jump around, but to me, on the daily, that looks like a double bottom. And so I felt like the pivot was 68.83, mm-hmm. and you could use like a Jesse Livermore shakeout rule um and so i bought this as it jumped above uh 60 on um uh, on 11.4 um to me that that was you know that's the buy point point. and if you're buying the way we like to buy like if i want a 10 percent position in this stock i'll buy five percent that day um to me the risk reward is so skewed in my favor if i'm wrong i'll lose five percent if i'm right i'm gonna buy more you know buy another three percent gonna buy another two percent and now I've got a 10% position with some cushion. If it breaks out, I might take that. It depends on the market because this stock's going to be more related to NASDAQ technology. And, you know, I just spent the whole previous podcast telling you why I don't like NASDAQ <laughs> technology. right? <laughs> Hypocrite. <It's>, th- yeah, <laughs> this is almost like a counterbalance against my portfolio because my yeah. portfolio is so heavily weighted in energy that... I need I need a counterbalance. I need something to tell me um, whether I'm right on my thesis on energy or uh, maybe I'm wrong, and and uh, this is a you know this is a whole new group and 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 I'm open to that. I, I want to be flexible to that. So I like having um, you know something like this that's different. And if it's if it starts to work, like ASML was a stock that I owned, and I sold it before right before the CPI numbers, because I was worried about the CPI numbers, and which is something I never do. I never never do things like that. But there were so many eyeballs on that CPI number. I just thought, oh, it's just so it's so much volatility around that. So for and, ASML,
1: uh, you were, you you really it was kind of the Livermore Plus Three, right? You you like the yeah. Shape out- coming back and up.
2: it was the same thesis i have a ton of energy i'm short tesla okay. i'm short some other names which i'm not short anymore but i was at that moment and it's like what could it hurt me to buy This stock is the is one of the best companies if not the best company in their in their niche right, right. what could it hurt me to own something like this if i get it wrong well if i get it wrong my shorts probably go down and maybe my energy stocks go up and if i get it right um and you know it could offset if the shorts went down and it turned out it was like the perfect best of both worlds the asml went up the shorts went down and you know and, right. and so um but i i mishandled it to be, to be honest but this is on my radar as well mm-hmm. uh because this this is one of the, the better now the chart i don't like the chart as much you know it's got some overhead supply but as far as companies out there you know th- this is one of the best
0: well, that was one thing I was going to mention about ACLS. I mean you know when you're talking about oh I'm getting into you know kind of something that's a little bit more on the tech side and um, you know kind of hedging your bet. I mean this this has a very strong relative strength. This doesn't look like uh, I mean if you look at SMH for instance, which is the Vanex semiconductor ETF, uh, that's still you know trading below its 40 week moving average line whereas ACLS it, it just looks very different from, that that etf it's not dragged down as much as a lot of the nasdaq uh index has been or chips in general
2: yeah it's a very good observation justin i wouldn't buy like intel so let's say i want i want uh, exposure to the group i didn't run to intel or or something like that i wanted to find you know in this group what stocks are exhibiting unusual relative strength. That's my favorite one. And ACLS stood out like a sore thumb. There are some others on semis acting uh, really well. I think last I I saw, yeah, 93 uh, EPS and uh, Amcor, AMKR is a 90, I said EPS, I'm sorry, relative strength. Amcor is a 96. ASML when I bought it, you know, honestly, the, the RS now is 73, but when I bought it, I have to admit it was pretty low. I think it was in the 40s. But that was more on, you know, a play on the company, the quality of the company versus, um, you know, the, the, the stock uh, action.
0: Yeah. Well, Scott, I think you gave people a lot to think about uh, learning from your style. And again, 25 years of experience. That's nothing to sneeze at. So uh, thank you so much for being on the show.
2: Of course. Uh, it's always fun. And I do I still have the record? This is like my fifth one.
0: Oh yeah, are he, you gonna be like the, be. Uh, yeah. the 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 Tom Hanks uh, Chevy Chase of uh, or Alec Baldwin now I guess on on SNL? Now of
2: SNL is Alec yeah. Baldwin the, have the record?
0: <laughs> I, just... I can't. Uh, he, he's got to be up there, I would imagine. Um, do you
2: so... do you guys not have my home address? Because I haven't. I don't remember getting the watch.
0: Right. Well, you know what? No, go ahead. And why don't you give your home address right now? So, uh, you
2: know. It's okay. I have a watch. I have a watch. My my phone will tell me what time it is. Thanks, though. I appreciate the offer.
0: Anytime, anytime. Thanks for coming on.
2: All right, guys. And See you, on you the later. Thank next you. Week-
0: Okay. And on the show next week, uh, we had a postponement with Jared Blickery, but we will have him on the show. He is, uh, hey, he's been on Yahoo Finance for a good good long time, and he's had Arusha and I both on his show, so we felt it was uh, time to have him on ours. So hope you join us for that next week. Hope everyone has a good Thanksgiving holiday, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for watching. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast@investors.com. at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.